So last Sunday, I had gone downstairs to preach the bridge, and I came back up, and the 930 service was still going. So I came back in and got to give the, uh, the benediction, and I walked out to the back, and I was at the back door, and a, a sweet little old lady walked up to me, and she shook my hand, and she said, Clay, sweetie, have you put on some weight? <laughs> and I looked back at her, and I said, well, well not intentionally. But I know the women's prayer group on Tuesday has been praying for me for many years. Need to pray harder. After this week, I will get a uh, summer sabbatical, and I will work on that. Um, every three years, I get six weeks, and um, that will start at the end of this week. And uh, I'm grateful for that time to be with family, to uh, renew, rejuvenate. And we have some incredibly uh, capable ministers that will fill the pulpit and uh, tend to the pastoral needs of this church, and uh, I'm thankful for that. Today is a very special day. Today is a significant day. Today is an historic day in the life of Woodmont Christian Church because today we are thanking God and celebrating 75 years of mission and ministry right here on the corner of Hillsborough Road and Woodmont Boulevard. 75 years of worship and singing, 75 years of preaching and Bible study, 75 years of education and spiritual formation, 75 years of fellowship and community, 75 years of mission and outreach and service, 75 years of sacrifice and generosity, 75 years of relationships and friendships. For 75 years, Woodmont has been seeking God, sharing love and serving others, that's our mission, and it drives everything that we do at this church. We stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us with a deep sense of gratitude for the generations that started and helped build this church. There are so many who have sacrificed and provided leadership over the decades, keeping Woodmont alive and moving forward. And last week, I ended the sermon that was focused on the history of our church by quoting the words of our founding pastor, Dr. Frank DeWoda, you'll find these words on the back of your bulletin this morning, but this is what he said. He said, this is the church of my dreams, a church of the warm-hearted, open-minded, adventurous spirit, a church of the people, a church that is high, low, and broad, as high as the ideals of Jesus, as low as the humblest person, as broad as the love of God, a working, worshiping, and saving church, a church that interprets truth in terms of the times and the challenges times in terms of the truth, a church that inspires courage for this life and hope for the life to come, a church that is worthy of our best. I believe that Woodmont is that church today. And Woodmont did not get to this place overnight. It's been the result of vision and sacrifice on the part of many. The question that I think we need to ask on this birthday Sunday, this 75th anniversary celebration, is this. What does the church of the future look like? How can we keep Dr. Jawoda's dream alive so that 75 years from now, there is another celebration like this one? I will share with you today what I think the church must do to stay relevant and vibrant in the future. I certainly don't have a crystal ball, 
I don't know what the future holds. There are many challenges that are out there for churches, but I do know that God holds the future and that God is still working very much through the life and ministry of this congregation. So here are seven thoughts about the future on this birthday Sunday. And remember, I learned a long time ago from my father that the church is not a place or a building, but it's people, people who come together in faith. And so it's the people who must make these things happen in the years to come. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, then how can its saltiness be restored? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. First and foremost, we must take Jesus seriously. He meant the words that he said. When he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, he meant it. When he said, build your life on solid foundation, on rock, so that you can withstand the storms of life when they come, he meant it. When he said, forgive others if you want to be forgiven, he meant it. When he said, uh, uh, show compassion to the least of these, he meant it. When he said, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, he meant it. When he said, you cannot serve both God and wealth, he meant it. When he said, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, he meant it. Yes, Jesus meant the words that he said, and any church or any Christian that is to say healthy and vibrant in the future must take him at his word. And the only way we know what Jesus said and did is to spend time in the scriptures, to spend time studying the Bible. That's how we grow as Christians. That's how we learn more about Jesus Christ. Secondly, to keep the dream alive, we must have a bold vision for the future. The founders of this church had a bold vision. Bill Carpenter, Wilbur Sensing, Walter White, Gilbert Marshall, and many others, Frank Drewota, they had a bold, a bold vision for what they wanted to build. They took a risk, and they brought others along, and they made it happen. Many churches that have been around for a long time with established norms and traditions have a tendency to become complacent. They can rest on their accomplishments. They can get comfortable and even lazy. So to be a healthy and vibrant church in the 21st century, we must have the same vision and energy that our founders had. We must look to the needs of our community and ask, how can we serve? It's a call to be missional. It's a call to live out our faith. It's a call to take the church out into the world and out into the community because there are so many needs and there is so much hurt and so much pain. The Apostle Paul writes these words to the Corinthian church, chapter 3, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and somebody else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Every new generation is in charge of casting a vision for the future and then living out that vision to accomplish great things. It takes courage. 
It takes collaboration and it takes faith. And as we begin our 76th year, we will move forward with a bold vision for the future. So stay tuned. Third, to keep the dream alive, all of us must continue to give sacrificially of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Some have more time than others. Some have more treasure than others. But it's not one or the other. It's always been both. Anything in life that is worth doing requires sacrifice. Think about that. Marriage requires sacrifice. Parenting requires sacrifice. Careers require sacrifice. Genuine friendships that are authentic require sacrifice. And yes, the church requires sacrifice. Woodmont has always been a generous church from the very beginning, but that generosity must be sustained. We tell our new members that you get out of the church what you put into the church. And in a world with so many things competing for our time and our money, the way that we spend our time and our money is a clear indication of our values. If you want to know what matters most to somebody, then look at their checkbook, look at their bank statement, look at their calendar, ask them how they spend their time and their money. That will tell you what's most important in their life. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject because he knew that it would become a false god. Money makes a great servant in life, but it makes a terrible master. Fourth, to keep the dream alive, we must be a warm and welcoming church. The very first of our eight core values, the W in Woodmont, is welcoming. We must be a church where everybody is welcome because nobody is perfect. We should put a big sign out front facing Hillsborough Road that says, no perfect people allowed here. And that means everybody can come in here because there are no perfect people. You know, there's nothing worse than going to a church or a party or a gathering and feeling invisible feeling like nobody cares that you're there. Woodmont has a reputation for radical hospitality. People say that they feel welcome when they come here, and so we must never lose that. Church begins when somebody gets out of their car and starts to walk through the parking lot way before they ever hear a word of the sermon. The incivility of our world and the isolation that has been caused by the digital age is very real. People are longing for genuine friendships, friends who care, and for a place to connect. And I think the church is called to be that place. Loneliness drives depression. Loneliness drives addiction. Loneliness drives hopelessness. There is perhaps no worse feeling in the world than being alone and feeling like nobody cares about you. We were created to interact. We were created to support each other, to help each other, to love each other. That's what Christian community is all about. Strong churches are built on strong relationships. And strong relationships begin with warmth and welcome, moving beyond the surface to a much deeper connection. Fifth, to keep the dream alive, 
we must remain steadfastly committed to mission and to outreach. That is the lifeblood of any church. We are called to serve and not be served. We are called to ask, what can I do for others, not what can they do for me? Selfishness is a universal struggle. All human beings have a natural tendency to be selfish. And yes, I think this is tied to our desire to survive, but unfortunately it goes beyond that. But the great irony is, as our culture has become more selfish, as it has become more focused on me, 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 people have become less happy, more miserable. Have you noticed that? The most unhappy people in life are often the ones who were only focused on themselves. But Jesus calls us to focus on others. Mission and outreach is the way that we serve. Mission and outreach is the way that we get beyond ourselves. The happiest people in life are the people who live for others. It doesn't mean that they don't take care of themselves. It simply means that they come to understand that the world is not just about them. What's the first line of Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life? It's not about you. So whether it's teaching Sunday school or being a youth sponsor or singing in the choir, or going to Guatemala, working at the Nashville Food Project, hosting room in the inn, tutoring at Fall Hamilton Elementary School, traveling up to Morgan and Scott, two of the poorest counties in our state, the happiest people in life are the ones who serve and the healthiest churches are the ones that serve. And I'll tell you, there continues to be countless ways for people to serve here at Woodmont. Sixth, to keep the dream alive, we are called to be a big tent church that's made up of many small groups and classes. This is where true relationships are formed and are strengthened. Woodmont is a melting pot of many denominations. We have Presbyterians, we have Episcopalians, we have Methodists, we have Baptists, we have people who don't know what the heck they are, and we like it that way. Uh, we live in a world that always tries to divide people, and unfortunately that's often the case in the church as well. But what was Jesus' prayer the night before he was crucified? He prayed that all would be one so that the world might believe. That which unites us, a belief in Jesus Christ, is far greater than that which divides us. We believe that. We try to live that. At Woodmont, you'll find Republicans and you'll find Democrats. Did you know that Ronald Reagan was a part of the Christian church? And guess who else was? LBJ one of the most conservative presidents, one of the most liberal presidents that our nation has ever had. They were both a part of the Christian church. You'll find wealthy people and those who struggle paycheck to paycheck. You'll find young and old uh, and everything in between. But we're united by our faith. And that's what matters. And in a world that continues to be polarized, we need a place that is different, a place that is civil, a place where perspectives and views can be shared in Christian love. We say in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, love or charity. Human beings have a tendency to, to turn non-essentials into essentials. It happens all the time. 
the essential list is probably much shorter than we'd like to admit. And that's okay. But on that list is love and respect for other people. You know, I get tired of everything in life being a fight between liberals and conservatives. If you think about it, it's a very elementary way to operate in the world. Life is complex. There are nuances that matter. Nobody has a monopoly on the truth. Uh, I like the research of Jonathan Hyde, who teaches up at NYU, in his book, The Happiness Hypothesis. He says this, my research confirms the common perception that liberals are experts in thinking about issues of victimization, equality, autonomy, and the rights of individuals, particularly those of minorities and nonconformists. Conservatives, on the other hand, are experts in thinking about loyalty to the group, respect for authority and tradition and sacredness. When one side overwhelms the other, the results are likely to be ugly. A society without liberals would be harsh and oppressive to many individuals. A society without conservatives would lose many of the social structures and constraints that Emile Durkheim showed are so valuable. And I think that this civility and balance begins when we try to understand that everybody experiences and sees the world differently. And we're all doing our very best. The lack of civility and respect in our culture does not bode well for the future of humanity or Christianity, a religion that is based on love. The church is called to model a different way, even when it's hard, even when it seems impossible. In Drewoda's words, interpreting truth in terms of the times, but challenging times in terms of the truth. It sounds great, but it's not easy, but it's worth it. Lastly, to keep the dream of Woodmont alive, we must be committed to hope and healing. M. Scott Peck begins his classic book, The Road Less Traveled, by saying this, life is difficult. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we understand it and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Now, maybe that's oversimplified, but we all know that life is hard. I think everybody in here would agree that life is hard. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of grief. And so the church is called to be about healing and hope. Jesus was about healing and hope. In August, just a few weeks, we're going to open the Woodmont Center for Spirituality and Healing at Campbell West at the Old Parsonage. Dr. Ben Curtis, who taught for many decades at Belmont University, will be the new director. He taught religion and spiritual formation for many years. And this center will help us provide people with more opportunities for spiritual growth and with more opportunities for healing uh, in the face of brokenness. And our world needs healing on a constant basis. Every single one of us needs healing from something that we've gone through or are going through right now. Whether it's from addiction or divorce or depression or cancer or grief or loss, you name it, we all need healing. And so the church must be about healing. One of the things that, that I have learned over the years, and I've certainly learned 
many things. But one of the things that I've learned as a pastor is that herding sheep bite. And sometimes they bite hard. Herding people hurt others. It's true. As Johann Hari says in his recent book, Lost Connections, all of us have certain innate needs to feel connected, to feel valued, to feel secure, to feel we make a difference in the world, to have autonomy, to feel we're good at something. He says what we really need are connections, but what we're told we need in our culture is stuff and superior status. People are hurting in so many ways, and what they really want is a friend, somebody who cares. And if we look to the life of Jesus, then we see that he was constantly about healing. He was constantly about hope. I have a, a close friend in this church named Melissa. Uh, many people call her Issy. Uh, she's 42 years old. She's married with three children under 10. And uh, last November, her life took a drastic turn. Um, she was diagnosed with stage four uh, colon cancer. Uh, she's not here this morning because she's taking her daughter to, to camp. But she wrote these words that I'm going to share with you this morning about healing. And I'm going to close the message with this. These are her words. As we think about the future, healing will play a significant role in our church community. Healing can take on many different forms, but for me, my healing came in the form of all of you, my church family. I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer on November the 13th, 2017. We all hear the stories of how you can never prepare for those words, you have cancer, and that statement holds true. What am I going to do? Why me? How could I have prevented this from happening? Am I going to die? How am I going to make it through this? Well, I did not have to do it by myself. I did it with all of you. As soon as I was diagnosed, you lifted me up in ways I could never have dreamed. The outpouring of support and prayers and cards and meals and personal visits and prayer shawls and holy water and so much more put me at ease. You showed me the way to God. You gave me the courage to fight and help me realize that this was not my path, but God's path. So I have to trust in God and he will show me the way. Psalm 32, 8. And so I did. Well, this past Wednesday morning, after six very hard months of chemotherapy, I, I went in for my PET scan and the results came back all clear. Although I am now cancer free, I remain at high risk and will be monitored every three months. The risk is still high for the next two years. However, the clear PET scan is a huge milestone that we have overcome in large part due to the overwhelming support and prayers and love that we have received from all of you. Prayer is such an amazing and powerful force. I feel your prayers, which gives me the strength to continue to fight. So keep the prayers coming. Alex and I previously, during a stewardship campaign, stood up in front of this church and talked about how it takes a village to raise a family and that we could not have chosen a better village. Well, that statement rang true then, and it couldn't ring more true today. We love you all and could not have done this without all of you. We can never thank you enough for your love, your support, and your prayers. You and the grace of God are the reason I'm healed today. The church must be about healing. Let us pray. 
Loving God, on this 75th birthday, we give you thanks for the past, and we're excited about the future. The church is far from perfect, and we're thankful for the grace and forgiveness that we receive when we fall short. Today, we pray for the courage, the vision, and the guidance to be faithful in our journey and to keep Woodmont strong for many generations to come. Amen.